Anytime, anywhere, smartphone, tune in radio app, we are WRKN, 1061 FM Nash Icon, Picayune, New Orleans. Good morning, and welcome to the 27th year of the Three Tailgaters Show on 1061 Nash Icon and at NashFM1061.com. The Three Tailgaters Show is presented by CrescentCitySports.com, the best sports site in Louisiana. The Three Tailgaters Show is also presented by the Allstate Sugar Bowl, representing the best of amateur athletics and by Francesca's by Katie's in New Orleans, serving up St. Louis-style food with a New Orleans flair. The Three Tailgaters are also brought to you by Lamarck Ford and Lamarck Lincoln, by LifeGate Church in Metairie, by Bergeron Automotive in Metairie, by Premier Automotive throughout the New Orleans area, John Curtis Christian School in River Ridge, Life Resources Ministries, the RNL Carriers New Orleans Bowl, and by Premier Automotive. Promotional consideration is provided by Venezia Restaurant on North Carrollton Avenue, Two Tony's Restaurant at West End, Perrin's Restaurant in Harahan, Reginelli's Pizzeria, with locations throughout the metro area, Ye Old College Inn on Carrollton Avenue, Messina's at the Terminal and Runway Cafe at Lakefront Airport, by Copeland's of New Orleans and Kenner at the Esplanade Mall. Desi Vegas Seafood and Steakhouse in Metairie. Chateau Cafe with locations in New Orleans and Kenner. Moe's Pizza in West Wego. Hooters Restaurants in Metairie and Gretna. Geo's Pizza and Spaghetti House in Metairie. Hobnobber Cafe in Metairie. Fat Boy's Pizza on Metairie Road. By Mike Sirio's Po' Boys and Deli on St. Charles Avenue. By That's Amore Pizzeria in Metairie. Bears Po' Boys on Causeway Boulevard at Metairie Road. Fury's Restaurant on Martin Berman in Metairie, and by Manning's Restaurant at Harris Casino on Fulton Street. Now here are your hosts of the Three Tailgaters Show, Ed Daniels, Sports Director of WGNO and WNOL, CrescentCitySports.com, and the Clarion Herald, and Cumulus Radio New Orleans Sports Director Ken Trahan of CrescentCitySports.com, the Saints Hall of Fame Museum, and the Kenner Star. Welcome to another edition of the Three Tailgaters Show here on 1061 FM Nash Icon. We're on the web at NashFM1061.com. Our tuning app is available anywhere in the world via iHeart to listen in. You can catch us at home via Alexa. Just tell her to play WRKN or play Nash Icon 1061 FM. Of course, our podcasts are always available through CrescentCitySports.com. You can listen back to the show or listen to what you missed through CrescentCitySports.com. Just click on more and hit podcast and you'll find us. Of course, you can always email us. It's ed at WGNO.com, Ken at CrescentCitySports.com, or call the show at 504-260-1061. That's 260-1061. We'll hit on all the major topics from the Saints and the Pelicans and LSU and Tulane, and we'll get into high school football in a moment, among other things, and, and maybe more sports in the city. We'll see uh, about a topic there that we'll talk about, too. And we'll do so with my good and great friend Ed Daniels, sports director of WGNO of Friday Night Football, of of course Sports Zone and CrescentCitySports.com, the Clarion Herald and 106.1 FM. Ed, good morning to you. Kenneth, how are you? I'm doing fine. No, everything's fine. Everything's great. And just uh, nice to to finally take a deep breath after a long uh, high school football season. Of course, college with bowl games 
and then the Saints still uh, transpiring, which we'll get into. And speaking of bowl games, that, that craziness is underway with every bowl under the sun. We talk about it all the time, and I'm happy for all the cities that have these games because it does provide an economic impetus for many of them, and it provides schools with a chance to keep their seasons going, but it's it's just kind of maddening with all these games. It's very, very hard to keep up with, right? Well, you know, there's a bunch of them. You know, I was uh, doing an interview this week with Bill Ferranti from the New Orleans Bowl, and he reminded me that when they came on board 20 years ago, they were the 25th Bowl. What is there, 44 now? Yeah. Well, you mentioned Billy. Billy Ferranti is going to join us in the next segment to talk about the RNL Carriers New Orleans Bowl tonight in Caesar Superdome with Marshall and University of Louisiana. So we'll talk to Billy about the game coming up in the next segment. But yeah, it's it's just crazy uh, to keep up with all these games and and try to as much as possible. But again, uh, not going to happen by and large. Speaking of too many games, of course, the high school championships are over with, nine championships, and we talk about it ad nauseum. It's too many. Uh, hopefully, uh, they can at least mitigate this in some fashion. Uh, the first opportunity would be at the LHSA convention next week when the proposal to try to reunite 5A comes uh, to the table. And if that happens, it would cut it to eight, which would certainly be better than the alternative. Uh, getting back together ultimately is doesn't, as we've said forever and a day, doesn't look like a real possibility with two-thirds majority needed. So the only way you can do it is by passing this proposal. And if this one passes, then I would not be surprised that 4A would be on the table the next time around because there's enough schools in South Louisiana to consider that one too. So if you could somehow get this thing back to seven, uh, it would be more palatable. You'd have more real championships or close to it anyway as compared to what we have right now. Well, we would, but, uh, you know, I, I'm, I don't want to throw any water on the situation, but uh, I'm still skeptical as to whether that's going to pass. I think it all depends on, it's just like an election. Who turns the vote out? Who's going to be there to vote that day? How many schools are going to come? How many schools for? How many schools against? Yeah, well, there'd be no excuse for people not to be there and be representative. It would absolutely be a, you know, shirking your duties if that's the case. So I would imagine that they'd all be there with maybe a couple of exceptions at best. But who knows uh, how this pans out. I just know that they've got to get 50% plus one to be able to make it pass. So at least it's it's got some potential, it's got some legs to, to be considered. And we'll see if, in fact, there's anything genuine to it. We certainly hope uh, that there is uh, that on the table. Uh, interesting news story about the New Orleans Saints and Pelicans owner Gail Benson buying company Realty, uh, which is you know, business actual property brokerage and administration company in the metro area. And, of course, it's all about the properties themselves and what it's all about. Now, part of this involves the LaSalle tract, Ed, and this has been out there for how long now? Uh, talked about it for 20 years. What's going to happen? What do you do with developing the remainder of that tract? And in addition to that, what's the long-term purpose of the stadium? which right now is a rugby stadium. And we all know there's a USFL move into New Orleans coming in the near future. We all know that there is a soccer team in New Orleans area right now, but not at a high level. And we all know baseball's not here. So this is an interesting move 
uh, with regard to whatever is going to happen with the LaSalle track, because that's been something that's been bandied about and talked about for a long, long time. Uh, with regard to baseball, we said forever that if, you know, the Benson family owned that and, and tried to put minor league baseball here, that it would certainly have a much greater chance of success based upon the money and the tie-ins to the other entities. But I don't know that that would be part of this. Uh, I'm interested to see just what we're talking about from a sports perspective, because they said that's clearly part of their thought process uh, in conjunction with Jefferson Parish and, and ASM, which, of course, helps govern the property. Thoughts? Well, um, you know, I, I, I don't understand why uh, Zephyr Field sits in the current situation that it sits. I don't understand why there hasn't been a huge effort to get uh, minor league baseball back. Um, are you going to build a stadium on that piece of land that's right across from the Saints facility? I know there has been a lot of discussion about that over the years. Um, you know, to me, if you're going to play football at Zephyr Field for a USFL team, you'd have to spend a lot of money reconfiguring. Don't you agree? Yes. So, to me, it would be better to build a stadium next to um, Zephyr Field and use Zephyr Field for what it's supposed to be for, and that's baseball. And it's a, it's a ball yard, okay? I don't care what it is now. It's a ball yard. That's what it's supposed to be. And to me, it would be much better. You'd be much better off building a stadium next to Zephyr Field if you wanted to do that because you have all the parking right there. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what comes of that. But to me, it's always been about, and I'm not an elected official in Jefferson Parish, but if I were, to me, it would not be about uh, relationships or friendships or business associates. It would be about the greater good and the greater interest of the community and also the greatest usage. And I think that's the primary aspect of what you're discussing here. What can provide the greatest usage and the greatest impact on a long-term basis? If you build a stadium there, you could have high school games there continuously. Could you do something uh, along the lines of pro like USFL? Sure, if you did it right. So there's that. With the current baseball facility, there's, there's two possibilities there. Long-term, that facility can't exist for eight to ten rugby games a year. Okay? With all due respect to the gold, and I'm all for them and want to see them succeed in a big way. <clears throat> but you can't have a facility of that magnitude for eight to ten events a year. And I know you agree with that. So as a result, you've got to look at the greatest usage and what would result in the most impact economically, the most jobs that would be generated, and, <clears throat> and the revenue. Well, obviously, baseball, you play 71, 72 home games, aside from the fact that you have other events High school championships that are now wide open on the select side that you could put there. Of course, the Pontiff Classic, which used to be there. <clears throat> College games, which could be played there. Look, <clears throat> I'm in Biloxi right now. They play all kinds of tournaments and college games here at, at the Biloxi Shuckers facility, MGM Park. And they do it all the time. Mississippi State is playing here this year. Southern Miss is playing here this year. The Sunbelt Conference tournament's been played here. Conference USA tournament's been played here. Uh, the travel ball teams play here, and particularly the team from the North Shore that plays here on a regular basis because they don't have anywhere to play in the New Orleans area. So my point is they get usage 
out of their facility or match usage. And that clearly, I think, it's not about whether you love baseball or not or rugby or anything else. It's about maximum usage if you're going to keep that facility because the other option is to tear that facility down and repurpose the whole property, right? Well, I don't really think that's an option, but, you know, <laughs> it would cost 15 to $20 million to do what you really needed to do there to get the stadium up to speed. It might cost more than that, frankly. But I see that there's no problem spending that kind of money at the Superdome or at the uh, Smoothie King Center. You agree? Well, that's a given. Sure. Yeah. Okay. So, um, you know, if you're going to spend hundreds of millions of dollars there, obviously you don't think that that stadium out in Metairie is a priority because if it was a priority, you'd fix it. And obviously, uh, for whatever reason, that's not thought to be a priority. Someone's going to have to explain it to me, but I, I think that's, I think that is a fair analysis of what's going on out there. Do you? Yeah, I mean, well, it never has been uh, a priority, and it never will be. And the Superdome and Smoothie King Center should be top priorities because of all the massive number of huge events that they host on a regular basis. But that doesn't mean mm-hmm. you you just completely dump the other facility off the face of the earth, <clears throat> which has basically occurred. And that, to me, is the problem. And, of course, it's all about who governs it as well. To me, that's also a big part of it. And, mm-hmm. you know, the... Jefferson Parish should be more involved in that process. It's, it sits in their parish, and it's their mm-hmm. domain, and it's their families, and their residential, which is the largest residential uh, in the area, second in the state to you know, East Baton Rouge Parish in terms of population and so forth and so on. So mm-hmm. that's all a, a major consideration. Look, I'm all for whatever they can do to enhance family life and sports and jobs in the community. If it's building a recreation center with, with uh, you know, with state-of-the-art baseball, softball fields and such to attract major events here, I would understand that, okay? Whatever the best purpose is, uh, it's time to repurpose that whole scenario. And as I've said over and over again, I'm all for the rugby team, and if they can be part and parcel of anything out there, that would be great. Mm-hmm. But that shouldn't be what the facility is there for. Mm-hmm. Well, they've got eight. Events. They've got eight dates, right? Is that right, Kenny? Eight right, dates? eight regular season dates. Yes. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so baseball has seventy. Baseball has seventy-two. Is that right? Baseball has seventy-two. Yeah, seventy-two hundred forty-four game season. So seventy-two mm-hmm. for yeah. a, a minor league team. But as I mentioned, there's a lot of other events too. I don't mm-hmm. see any other rugby events taking place there. Mm-hmm. You could have, as I said before, college baseball, high school baseball, all of it. Could be part and parcel and to be a facility that would be used to really upwards of, of 90 to 100 times a year, which is significantly mm-hmm. different than, than what we're talking about yeah. at the present time. So <clears throat> that to me is the ultimate. It has nothing to do with prejudice or about what you like and what you don't like at all. It has to do with mm-hmm. maximum usage. And, and that would be my ultimate goal. And my first priority would be to find something that would be applicable to utilizing that facility as much as possible. So that's simple. But this is a really interesting story because, again, that track of land has been sitting there. The stadium has been sitting there basically unattended uh, for the past few years. And clearly the effort that was made most recently to try to get minor league baseball back here 
would require significant improvements to that facility. And people ask, well, we've been to other places. They, you know, this is as nice as some of those. Yeah, but what, what people don't see is the foundation of what's happening, you know, and the foundation of the facility and everything else that surrounds it. <clears throat> and also the fact that Major League Baseball is taking over minor league baseball. They have high demands and, and they have high uh, qualities that you have to meet if you want to have a team. So that facility would require significant improvements. Look, it opened in 1997, as you know. I was the play-by-play voice of the Zephyrs, and I did the first game there. And remember opening night vividly, beating Oklahoma City 5-1, to Kevin Flora, triple, I could go on and on. But the fact of the matter is that they built the stadium for $21 million. And just to give some sort of uh, comparison to that, they relocated to Wichita, where the stadium is built on the water, at just over $80 million. So you can do the math. What's the oldest saying in the in the book? You get what you pay for. And that's not a criticism at all. But what they could get at the time financially, they got. But that made it not obsolete, but it made it a run-of-the-mill facility in not a long period of time, and then a below-average facility over the course of two decades. And that's basically what you're talking about there. And if you compare it to other minor league facilities at that level, which would be AAA, uh, certainly they don't compare. And then, of course, if you're looking at double light, Stadiums aren't as big, but they're nice and more modern amenities by and large. Now, the one here in Biloxi is just average in terms of that, but it, it suits the purpose quite well. And they fit it into a small tract of land, and it worked out very well in a great location on Beach Boulevard. So, look, bottom line is that, again, uh, I think you know Gail Benson has the best chance to do the best thing with that property considering they're adjacent to it considering the the deep pockets they have and considering the outreach they have and the ability to to market and get to people and get people to react and the cross-pollination of franchises certainly would not hurt at all if uh, they had whatever it may be whether it's professional soccer whether it's professional rugby whether it's professional baseball whatever it is their name and their brand and their marketing ability and their deep pockets would certainly make it uh, give it a chance to be much more successful in my estimation Mm-hmm. Well, you know, look, I'm, I'm, if, if we get minor league ba- baseball back and Mrs. Benson can, can be a part of that and make that happen, I think it's, I think it's fantastic. But the one thing that, I, that I w- I've asked in, in meetings with uh, politicians and uh, with other people, business people and everything, how in the world can Louisiana not have a minor league baseball team? We do not have one in the entire state. Am I correct? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. How, how is that possible? In a state with almost with four and a half million people, how do we not have minor league baseball? I, I don't understand that. I mean, I just think it's a – I understand why Baton Rouge wouldn't want minor league baseball because LSU baseball is king. But I remember, you know, the New Orleans Zephyrs, the Shreveport captains. I don't understand why we don't have minor league baseball. Somebody's going to have to enlighten me. I don't know. Alexandria Aces. I could go on and on. Yeah. Yeah, go on and on. Exactly. But, you know, I mean, look, I'm just going back over the years and I'm just trying to figure out, you know, why, why is baseball just not a priority whatsoever? And the only thing I can say is, you know, if, if this governor doesn't think it's important, you know, maybe somebody has not told him it's important. I don't know. I, I don't, I don't know the answer to that question, but 
you know, and if, if the governor of the state of Louisiana, whoever that person is, he or she, would say that this is a priority, then I think it would get done, don't you? I would. I would. And obviously it's not all on him, but certainly uh, there's a role to be played there. And when you're yeah, in a leadership role, power, you can certainly, you're in a position of power, you can certainly use that power to say, we want to try to do something of this nature. I mean, that whole effort started way back with, with Buddy Romer. I mean, that far back with the minor league baseball, we were out there for a, for a groundbreaking press conference. You might recall way back. And I want to say it was, I don't know, 1989 or something like that. 1990 future track for, you know, a minor league baseball team, if we can lure one here. And, and then of course, ultimately, um, you know, John DQ put the Zephyrs here and Rob Kuig uh, and his group took it over and they orchestrated the move from UNO to the stadium in Metairie and, we know the rest of the story. Local ownership is key. Benson family, Grail Beal Benson would certainly be a major, major factor if that would come to pass. Whatever sports entities or franchises would be involved out there, that would be a tremendous plus uh, with regard to that ownership group being part of it. All right. If you'd like to join the conversation, 504-260-1061 to join us. We'll take a brief time out. Saints, we'll talk about it heavily. LSU in all facets heavily. Touch on Tulane, of course, the Pelicans. But when we return in just a moment, the RNL Carriers New Orleans Bowl is here tonight in Caesars Superdome. We'll talk to the executive director of the game, Billy Ferranti, when we return in just a moment here on the Three Tailgaters Show on 1061 FM Nash Icon and at NashFM1061.com. Since 1935, the All-State Sugar Bowl has been a proud New Orleans New Year's Day tradition. And for 87 years, the Sugar Bowl has hosted top-ranked teams, All-Americans, and national champions. Now, on New Year's Day, the best of the Big 12 and SEC will square off in the 88th All-State Sugar Bowl. Get your tickets today. Visit AllStateSugarBowl.org for ticket information. The Sugar Bowl is presented by Allstate, the Louisiana Office of Tourism, and Taco Bell. Ken Trahan here with Scott Craig of Francesca by Katie's Deli Pizzeria, 515 Harrison Avenue in Lakeview. We both love high school sports and the St. Louis Cardinals. That's a big amen. And we both love great food and a great location. That's a bigger amen. Francesca by Katie's hands and all. That includes daily specials, building your own sandwiches and pizzas, delicious burgers, scrumptious salads, and a kid's menu. Francesca by Katie's is also host of Ken Trahan's Original Prep Football Report. We love supporting our area schools. It's a shame not everybody can go to Brother Mark. Or Rommel. If you don't come, you're to blame. You'll be glad you came. Francesca by Katie's, 515 Harrison Avenue in Lakeview. You. Terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting rules for recurring automated marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply. Reply stop to opt out. Terms and conditions apply. Visit ISSA online for details. Hey, how'd you like to get paid to work out? Yes, I said get paid to work out. Now you can with ISSA, the global leader in personal fitness certification. If you're interested in a money-making career in fitness as a personal trainer, now is your time because ISSA is guaranteeing you will get a job. That's right. There's a huge demand for certified personal trainers right now. So once you get ISSA, certified, they guarantee you will get a job. Just text FORM to 323232 now to get started for free. You do everything at your own pace and 100% online. Live your life on your terms. Get certified and train like you want, full-time, at a gym, at home, or as a side hustle. Whatever works for you. Don't wait another day to start your career in fitness. Get certified and start making money fast, guaranteed. Just text FORM to 323232 right now to get started with your ISSA certification for free. Text the word FORM to 32 Exodus chapter 2 tells the story of the children of Israel in Egypt. It said they continue to groan under the burden of their bondage. 
They cried out for help, and their cry rose up to God. It said God heard their groaning. He remembered his covenant promise to Abraham, and he looked down on the people of Israel, and he knew it was time to act. Well, let me give you some more good news for right now. In the middle of your most difficult times, know this, God has not changed. He still sees, he still hears, he still remembers. This is Michael Green inviting you to join me and Linda this week at LifeGate, 1317 Butternut Avenue in Metairie. We start at 10 o'clock. We will worship and we will speak words of peace, encouragement, and Holy Spirit insight. Follow us on Facebook at LifeGate Church Ministries, or you can follow the messages on YouTube, Michael Green, LifeGate Ministries. But in the meantime, remember this, he sees, he hears, and he remembers. <laughs> That's good news. Just tuning in? We're just getting started with the Three Tailgaters Show on 106.1 Nash Icon, NashFM1061.com, and through CrescentCitySports.com. What are you waiting for? Call 504-260-1061. Now back to Ken Trahan and Ed Daniels. 21 years, the RNL Carriers New Orleans Bowl. Pretty special. Uh, first game was back in 2001. Colorado State beat North Texas 45-20. to I remember it. Very well. And since then, we've had a lot of really interesting games, some that were very good, some that were well attended. Last year was frustrating with the pandemic, and now fans can be back in the stands, and that's tonight at at 8.15. It's number 16-ranked Louisiana taking on Marshall in the 21st annual Arno Carriers New Orleans Bowl. Joining us now is a guy who's very busy because it's his day. As the executive director of the game, of course, with the Greater New Orleans Sports Foundation and the New Orleans Bowl, our friend Billy Ferranti. Billy, look, thanks for taking a little time with us. I know it's a busy day. I know it's a big day, right? Yeah, it is. Um, uh, ha- happy to make time for you always, Kenny. But, yeah, it's a, a big day. We're looking forward to it. We've actually got our yoga in the dome going on right now. Uh, got about 250 participants in that. And uh, looking forward to a good game tonight. Well, I guess the biggest question would be, what are the what is the expectation with regard to numbers tonight? I mean, can we expect thirty thousand or more tonight? Is that is that a fair estimate? Uh, I, you know, Kenny, I don't know. Some of the, I know there's uh, some of the sales have actually been a little bit low. We're hoping to get close to that number. Uh, the, the folks at UL have told us they're expecting a pretty significant drive in and walk up crowd so from where we are right now to get to that number would be uh it might be a little bit aggressive but 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 possible i i guess before i let ed daniels jump in i would imagine the pandemic is contributing to not having the the massive type crowds that you've had in years past i mean obviously the, the ul two-lane game back in 2013 the 2012 game when the cajuns played east carolina 2011 game when they played San Diego State, those were all in excess of 40,000, but you didn't have the current life conditions that that were part of this, and, and also some of the restrictions that are in place. I would imagine that's a factor. Yeah, it it is. Uh, you know, but I, I, it's my understanding that that's a it's a factor in live events across the board. Uh, some of the folks at the dome have told me that they've seen a, a you know a percentage of uh, of attendance that's generally lower than what they're accustomed to for other events. And I think we're kind of seeing the same thing here. Uh, you know, but again, that we, we really won't know until, until tonight, but it, I think it's, 
fair and safe to say that it, it will affect our, our craft tonight. Ed? Bill, so you're not, you're not taking advantage of the yoga uh, portion of the program? I thought you'd be down there today, no? No, Ed, at 59 years old, my flexibility <laughs> has gone out the window. Uh, <laughs> I, probably, I probably need to, to do it, but uh, I've got some other things I need to be tended to right now. You know, when you when you look back over the years, after the first year, did you think there'd be a second year? Well, I thought there'd be a second year. I just didn't. I I I, I wouldn't have guaranteed you there'd be a twenty first year. Uh, but you know, we've we've stuck with it, and we feel like that. You know, our our anchor partner in the Sun Belt Conference as as that conference has elevated themselves to where they are now you know we've kind of seen a commensurate growth in the in the bowl game and you know we've we've done a lot locally to try to create some equity for our name and our brand in this community and uh, i'm really i'm i'm proud of where we are after 21 years uh, you know it's it's been a it's been a quick long fun ride Billy Francie with us from the New Orleans Bowl and talking about the 21st annual contest tonight. So, of course, University of Louisiana, and we're talking about the school in Lafayette, of course, there's two of them. And that has been the, the primary team for this game over an extended period of time. Southern Miss would be the other one that's appeared here the most. But when you look at the Raging Cajuns, they've been the, uh, the team that's visited most and the team that's provided the most uh, punch for the attendance on a regular basis. And that said, they haven't been here since 2016, so it's been a period of time. I would think there's a level of excitement in particular since they're a conference champion and, and nationally ranked at 16th in the country. Yeah, there there is. And, and there's a lot of, you know, typically you see, I think, uh, in bowl games when you see a coaching change, uh, you know, you see a little bit of a downtick in interest, but that's not necessarily the case here. You know, Billy Napier was wildly popular in in Lafayette as their coach, rightfully so. Um, but I think they made a great hire in Michael Desimo. Um, that was very well received in the Lafayette community by the players, the staff, and uh, you know, I don't I don't think there's going to be the typical. Uh, drop off an interest that maybe you might see elsewhere with a coaching change. And, and then, of course, Marshall. I mean, getting the thundering herd here, again, it's, it's a new face of sorts, and uh, it's a pretty decent distance to get here, and yet I would imagine there's, there's a level of excitement for that program to be in this game uh, for the first time and being able to come to New Orleans. Yeah, there is, and they, you know, Marshall's got a great following. They've got a national following, and and their core fan base travels very well. They've played in several bowl games in in Florida over the years, and have done real well there. So, you know, we're 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 hoping to see some of that same excitement, enthusiasm, and support here. Ed, Bill, what's interesting is they're coming to the Sun Belt. Yeah. What do what do you make of that move? Well, I mean, good good for the Sun Belt. Uh, you know that I've been asked several times if that factored into our decision as it relates to the matchup in the game, and it it really didn't at all. 
but it's created an interesting storyline, I think, that you know these two will will be conference mates here in the next couple of years, and uh, and it's you know it's a preview of what this matchup will probably look like annually. And it's only the second time that I can recall that a ranked team has has played in this game. I know Appalachian State was ranked a couple of years ago when they played here, so that brings some more pop to it as well, and and a little bit more of attention. I mean, the Cajuns lost to Texas, and then they've just run the table basically. So, I mean, you, you, you've got one of the you know top twenty teams in the country here. Yeah, and that's you know there. I don't know if you heard. Uh, Coach Huff's comments yesterday at, at media day, but uh, he said they're good about 12 times in his opening remarks, and he's right. And you know, this is—it's been an unprecedented season for them. And if they win this game tonight, that's 13 in a row for them, something they've never done. And you know, I know Coach Desimo has said that this is—you know—it's not about him at all. It's all about his team and what they've accomplished this year, and, and putting putting a, a positive end to it. Also honoring our player of the year from the Greater New Orleans Quarterback Club and from Friday Night Football and CrescentCitySports.com and NashIcon1061.com, Braden Johnson and Ponchatoula on the field during the game. That's something you guys took up a few years back, and, and that's a nice touch, by the way, and I'm sure it's very popular with, with the players, their schools, their coaches as well. Yeah, that's, you know, we've the bowl has been real proud to support your prep player of the week for years and a couple of years back we actually in in honor of our late chairman ron gardner named the prep player of the year award after him and we'd like to represent show that uh, present that kid rather uh in stadium on the field during the game i know there's a lot of enthusiasm from his his teammates um coach tierney i think is planning on i think bringing close to the entire team to the game and you know, I, I, I told Coach uh, Tierney when he called to ask me if he if we could accommodate more tickets. I, you know, absolutely, because we want to create that great experience for that kid that deserves the award that he received and recognize him as he deserves. And imagine Hank Tierney lobbying for anything. It's kind of like when he screams out there holding, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to tell him no, Kenny. I've been there before. Yeah, I'm right there with you. <laughs> <laughs> one time, one time he, he was yelling at the official, uh, unbelievably, at a, at a game at West Jefferson. This is a long time ago. Yeah. And, uh, and about holding. And then he, as he was walking off the field at halftime, he looked at me and said, that wasn't holding. <laughs> so, so, so I just think he was, you know, he was, tr- he was trying to lobby for anything he could get. I thought it was pretty funny. Yep. Well, he didn't have to lobby me too hard. I'm, we're happy to help <laughs> yeah, he always loses his voice about two games into the season, basically. So, interesting thought. Ed, uh, final thought from you before I have one as well. Well, Bill, one of the things you said was, I thought it was pretty amazing. If you could tell everyone about what, how much your sponsor's business has grown since they are sponsoring a bowl game. I thought that was, we had a conversation the other day about thought that, and I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah, they've Arno Carriers has been with us since 2006, uh, so this will be year 16. Current and our agreement with them goes through 2024. When they have more than doubled the size of their company in those 16 years, and 
a lot of that has to do with, I think, I always tell them it's because you've sponsored the bowl game, but uh, they really activate their sponsorship around the game well internally. They create incentives for their sales force nationally. If you exceed or meet your sales goal, which are pretty lofty, then you and a spouse or a guest are treated to an all-expense-paid week in New Orleans around the bowl game, and that's just done – it's done incredible things for them. And We like to uh, cherry-pick their President's Club winners, one to toss the coin, one to give out the championship trophy, one to do the MVP award. And uh, they, they tell me every year how important that is to them and how, how that really has – generate a lot of uh, excitement, enthusiasm, and, and it's a great incentive for their, for their uh, sales force. And before we let you get away, Billy, I know it's a busy day. Just remind people, look, uh, they can walk up and purchase tickets at the Superdome. Remind them of, of the protocols and also about what the cost of the tickets will be. Sure. Yeah. Tickets will be available at the Dome or on Ticketmaster up until uh, I will probably keep the box office open until halftime they're forty dollars very affordable and the the current protocols that exist within the uh within the stadium is that you need to show proof of vaccination or a negative antigen or pcr test within 72 hours and um you know i think a lot of the local community we've done a pretty good job of communicating that out to the fan bases of the two schools and I think the local community is accustomed to that now with the Saints having gone through the better part of their season at home. So uh, come out and have fun with us tonight. Arno Carriers, New Orleans Bowl 21st edition tonight in Caesar Silverdome just after 8 p.m. It's the University of Louisiana against Marshall. Should be a good game. Looking forward to it. Billy Ferranti, thank you for the time this morning. Have a great day. Nothing but the best with success this evening. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Have a good day. All right, Billy. Thank you. That's Billy Ferranti. And, again, that's tonight in Caesars Superdome. All right. One more topic here in this segment I wanted to get into, Ed, and that's all about signing day and the whole early signing day methodology, I'd like to call it. I understand we all understood the process of why they went to the early signing date, and that was to take pressure off the young men, in football, who in particular had recruiters just relentlessly after them until they put their name on the dotted line. So with a February date, people would be pursuing them just unmercifully, and it was difficult. So they went to the early signing date, and of course most people jumped at it, and most people signed early. But then the unintended consequences started to arise. The transfer portal has become a big issue. Coaches leaving schools have become a big issue. And these things have put the early signing date, in my mind, uh, in peril, if not outdated. Because I guess Exhibit A, and this isn't about prejudice at all, but Exhibit A would be LSU. If the early signing date didn't exist, and you had the regular signing date in February, I think Brian Kelly and his staff would have had a much better chance at retaining some of the players that decommitted and and are ending up elsewhere. But because they only had a week and a half, and we all knew the timeline was going to be tough, we've talked about it on this show on many occasions, they really didn't have the time to make up ground. And we heard that on signing day. You covered signing day, and I did too, and got around to some of the biggest names. And a couple of them told us, 
yeah, Frank Wilson came in and, you know, he made a push, Brian Kelly tried, but, you know, uh, we, we, we made a commitment and so forth and so on. So I think the timing of it certainly hurt LSU, but that's the case with other coaching changes, too. You could point to Florida, where their recruiting class is very lowly ranked, by the way. That's not Billy Napier's fault. Got there very late. And, of course, other changes that took place, too. Even Notre Dame losing a Morian Walker to Michigan with a coaching change. So I think the unintended consequences have popped up, and, and the transfer portal situation has really popped up in a major way. So now I'm just at the mindset that maybe this whole process should be rethought, and maybe you should ditch the early signing date. Your thoughts? Well, here's what I'd like to see. I'd like to see the signing date ditched, and I'd like to see the de- dead period extended, Kenny. I think that when you look at um, when did the when did the dead period start for the early signing day? Three days before, right? They could contact the coach, couldn't contact the player anymore. Is that correct? Something like that. What, yeah. I, I think that's what it was. Um, you know, I would like to see that 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 dead period extended uh, for a, a long period of time. Have the signing day dropped, and um, and I think that you know, somewhere around the 15th or the 18th or whatever of January that you could start it back up again and you could have in-home visits. And then you'd finish in a flurry and you'd finish on the, the first Wednesday in February. I think that's the way to do it. And what's happening now is you've got all these coaching changes earlier and earlier because of signing day. And it's critical. And, you know... I don't know what kind of class Florida is going to end up with, but I think they only signed seven or eight players. Is that right? Right. That's right. You know, so, so you know, I don't, I don't think that, uh, you know, I don't think that's good for the game, and I don't think it's good for, uh, in this regard. And you know, Brian Kelly had to do what Brian Kelly had to do. And the time, as someone, as a coach told me, I said, you know, it's kind of crazy. He he's leaving, and his school has a chance at that point. Still had a chance to reach the playoff. And the coach looked at me and said, there's never a good time. And I get that. I, I understand that. The only thing I would say is that um, because of the signing day, you know, you're, you're going to have more and more coaches leaving good programs and leaving earlier and earlier and earlier. And you're going to see change earlier and earlier and earlier. You know, as someone said in the LSU press box this year, this is in October. I can't wait for this season to be over. And really, after Ed Ogeron was, it was agreed that he and the school would part ways in October. It's really been a lame duck two months. Am I right? More or less. Right. And how much interest is there in that bowl game? None. None. I mean, there, there's none. And I and I get it. There's no interest in the bowl game. We don't know what the quarterback situation is going to be like. Brad Davis is going to be coaching the game. And, you know, I just, I, I don't think that that is a good look. You know, as far as tonight is concerned, well, they've got their coach in place off the staff. And, you know, I think that's going to make it uh, uh, much more attractive. But this situation with the signing day, I was a fan of it in the beginning. I am not a fan of it now. And I totally agree with you. And I'm the first person to say 
when I've changed my mind or, or I was wrong initially. My first reaction was this is a good thing because it takes pressure off the kids. But again, you didn't foresee the unintended consequences uh, that would arise. And the transfer portal, of course, became a big part of that, uh, which I think is only been exacerbated by this early signing period situation. I mean, you got to get your ducks in a row. If you're going to transfer, you have to be among the numbers before they go out and sign X number of players. These are all things that, that are part and parcel of it. Now, LSU is going to hit the transfer portal because they've only got 13 signed. So, and, of course, they're still going to pursue the likes of Jacoby Matthews, Travante Citizen, Nicholas Crawford, and people like that. They're still going to go after those guys, obviously. But because they lost a significant number of commits, they're going to have to go out and get transfer guys later in the game. But most of the time, these schools know exactly what they want. They have a strict set of numbers in place. And if you don't get them early, uh, the chances of you being part and parcel of a program through transfer are going to be limited. So I think there's that. Well, good good piece by Ross Dellinger, who we know uh, for SI.com. And he wrote about this. And, and the, the story was, will this be the last national signing day in December? And that some officials are pushing for it. And he quoted Todd Berry, who's the executive director of the American Football Coaches Association that carries, obviously, a lot of clout. And he said, quote, the current model is completely broken. The idea of keeping the current model is ludicrous, is the word that he used. Others that were used that were quoted in the story called the, the early signing date process untenable and even archaic. So I think there's a significant move afoot by coaches to get this changed as well. So I suspect that something will probably happen in the near future where this is concerned, because again, things change and they evolve. And the way this has evolved, it's kind of eliminated the, the positives that surrounded the early signing period in, in my estimation. So we'll see. This is an ongoing story and it's going to be one that I think will probably be addressed before uh, next school year starts or the next football season starts in 2022. All right, if you'd like to join us, it's 504-260-1061-260-1061. We'll get into Tulane and LSU signing day. The Saints extensively coming up next hour. We'll touch on the Pelicans as well and much more. We're glad you're with us on this Saturday morning. Merry Christmas, one and all. Ken Trahan, Ed Daniels, Three Tailgater Show. Back in just a moment here on 1061 FM Nash Icon and at NashFM1061.com. I got to tell you, the Ford F-150 and I, well, we're kind of like family. Ford's the number one selling truck in America for 42 years, and Lamarck's the number one Ford dealer. So come get your number one truck from your number one dealer, Lamarck Ford, where everybody gets remarkable deals and service. And wait till you see what we've done and still doing to the big store in Kenner. We're using local money, not Wall Street money. Visit Lamarck.com for more details. Drive safely, my friends. Number one claim based on 2018 new Ford vehicle retail sales report in Memphis Region Zone E. We are live festival television, the all-new WLFT and KGLA, bringing you new episodes of Fayette 5 with LaTangela Fay weekdays, 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. Join the fun and be sure to join our Out and About Broadcasting Live with Allie Bogler Blanche, highlighting all things Louisiana. Ring in the new year with us as we count down with the Red Stick Drop, bringing you all of the action on the all-new WLFT and KGLA, or download the Louisiana Film Channel app. 
For 15 years, the RNL Carriers New Orleans Bowl has been proud to support one of the area's great traditions, high school football, and the Prep Football Player of the Week Award. The RNL Carriers New Orleans Bowl's weekly recognition of excellence on the field of high school student athletes reflects our understanding of the importance of athletics in the development of our youth. The Prep Player of the Year will be presented the Ronald D. Gardner Award on the field at the Caesar Superdome during the 2021 RNL Carriers New Orleans Bowl, Saturday night, December 18th. Tickets available now at NewOrleansBowl.com. Conventional wisdom said we couldn't make a 400-horsepower sedan that's also a plug-in hybrid. At Volvo, we don't follow conventional wisdom. The all-new Volvo S60. Learn more at volvocars.com forward slash US. To experience our idea of luxury, visit Bergeron Volvo on Vets in Metairie or online at bergeronvolvo.com today. You heard that safe drivers get rewarded with Snapshot from Progressive, so you went online to check it out. But then you saw an ad for a vintage baseball cap, and now you find yourself checking the stats of that team's second baseman in 97, wondering why his stolen base total dropped after his rookie season. Wonder how much his rookie card is worth. Yes, they said it was easy to save money with Snapshot from Progressive, but they forgot about the rest of the Internet. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Snapshot not available in California, North Carolina, or from all agents. Holidays are here, and so is fashionable fitness. Gift yourself a Samsung Galaxy Z Flip 3 5G, a phone that folds in half to literally stand on its own. Pair it with the Galaxy Watch 4 for ultimate wellness and wow factor. Check health stats, flex personal records. Over 90 activities can be tracked, like biking, swimming, golfing, and more. Invest in yourself with tech made to crush goals. Holidays open up with Galaxy. Shop it all at samsung.com. 5G connection and availability may vary. Check with Carrier. Products sold separately. NOLA Christmas Fest is back at the New Orleans Convention Center. Let's sneak a peek inside our magical North Pole passageway to see all the fun you can have on the Kringle Carousel, Big Freezy Ice Rink, Candy Cane Climb, and so much more. Take a selfie with my North Pole pals and see all the fun things we do at the North Pole Elf Village. It's going to be great. Tickets are limited, so tell your friends and family to get their tickets at nolachristmasfest.com. We're going to have a magically good time. Attention, coffee business owners. You may be eligible for a grant to help you recover from the impacts of Hurricane Ida. Go to louisianahospitalityfoundation.org to read more about the Coffee Industry Hurricane Relief Program. Coffee businesses should apply online before December 31st, so act now. Go to louisianahospitalityfoundation.org today to see if you qualify. That's louisianahospitalityfoundation.org. You want the total sports package? Let's talk prep, college, pro, all sports, all the time. You get it all from the three tailgaters on 1061 Nash Icon, Nash FM 1061.com, and through CrescentCitySports.com with Ken and Ed. Give us a call at 504-260-1061. Glad you're with us this morning as we continue on. Merry Christmas to you one and all. It's 260-1061. Joe is at Mandeville. Hey, Joe, good to hear from you. Welcome to the show. Good morning. Hey, how's it going? Good, buddy. You noticed the recruiting and uh, for the life of me, no, a lot of people would tell you that five and seven is not going to bring in a good class, but you do remember one thing. If you noticed the top five people in the recruiting all came from Saban. So it's with the exception of uh, Ohio State, and that was Urban Meyer, who was also a, a heavy recruiter. 
But the reason why I called, I'm calling out Ryan Terrio, this hypocrite, complaining about Matt Johnson going to A&M. Okay? He should know better that these quarterbacks are hired guns now. Okay? If he didn't like the situation, if there's a coaching change, he's free to leave. You know, hearing this from a guy, okay, who went to LSU, who benefited from probably the biggest portal move in history with Joe Burrow, okay, and he's going to gripe about these quarterbacks leaving school. I need your comment on it. Yeah. I agree with you completely, Joe. I never thought I would say that, Joe, ever. But, Joe, you know what? I completely agree with you. You know what? The, here's the thing about the transfer portal. The transfer portal works against you. It works for you. I don't know anything about this lineman from Florida International. But you know what? He's coming to LSU. He was the best lineman in their conference. And guess what? He's going to be a starter for LSU next year. And apparently the guy is going to be is, is, is thought of as the guy who's going to be drafted, might be drafted pretty high. And I think that's directly uh, related to the fact that Brian Kelly is a guy who has had a lot of success with offensive linemen. So I don't have any problem with it. And, you know, Max Johnson did well here. Uh, he, he was a guy who represented the school well. Uh, when he was benched, he didn't make a big scene about it. He just went about his business. And the only thing I can say is good for him. And look, this is free agency. This is the world we live in now. And if people want to get excited about the transfer portal, then don't knock it. And I concur with uh, what Ed said, and I agree with you, Joe. I think this is a situation where, given the rules, he did exactly what he should do. And in that particular situation, it's pretty obvious. He met with Brian Kelly, and he pretty much, we don't know exactly what was said, but we can pretty much conclude that he was told that, he either wasn't going to be the starter or there'd be an open competition and he'd have to start over again. And obviously that did not meet with what he was looking for, or maybe he was simply loyal to Ed Ogeron. Whatever the case may be, he's moving on. And therefore he had every right to do it. And I have no qualms about that whatsoever. He chose to go to a division rival and we'll see them, of course. But having said that, that's his prerogative. I have zero problem with that. Well, we all know he went there because of Brad Johnson had a little connection with yeah. Jimbo Fisher at FSU. I mean, they didn't play for each other, but uh, or didn't play for him, but they had a big connection there. He had been there for years at FSU, and he's known him for years. And he felt he was going to go ahead and take care of what, you know. I suspect he was told it was going to be open competition, and he had the gall to say, well, wait a minute, I won the starting job. I want it back. And he said, no, you got to compete. And he left in a huff. Okay. I'm being honest. I just want to, or he ran to daddy, and daddy says, I don't like this situation. And he kind of fixed it for him. But, but with that said, I know y'all got the notes from the SID office. Okay. 13 signees. I'm telling you, y'all making it sound good. This is an utter disaster. Everybody out there, what was it, the 20th, top 20 in the recruiting class? That's a huge hit, if you ask me. It's going to take well, it's not, but also, Joe, also, Joe, to be fair, Joe, to be fair, it's not over yet. Okay. Oh, well, yeah, but it, it, how not, are you, no. when well, you say Joe, it's not Joe, over, me, what do you mean by that? Joe, Joe, let me, let me explain to you. Okay. 
if they sign Jacoby Matthews, which I think there's a pretty good chance of that, all right, and if they sign Travante Citizen, and I think there's a pretty good chance of that, all right, if they do that, they're going to go up in the rankings. If they get some additional transfers, they're going to go up in the rankings. So nobody's saying this is a top five class. I'm not saying that, and Kenny's not saying that. But this is also a byproduct of what happens when you change coaches and you have an early signing date. Do you think Billy Napier is a good coach? Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, you know what? I wanted, Florida signed, I wanted him to go to but, Texas, but go ahead. Right. Exactly. But, Joe, they, he signed seven or eight in the first class. So mm-hmm. what do you think his first class is going to look like? Now, my guess is in February it will look a lot better. But this is a guy who has impeccable credentials as a recruiter. There's a very good one, apparently. And you know what? Has recruited very well to, to the, his previous school. I mean, look, they've, they've won 12 games in a row. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've turned the ball over eight times this year. Their quarterback is 34-7. and seven. This is his last game tonight. So he's done a really good job there. But this is what happens when you have a transition. And if you go back, and you, since you mentioned Saban, if you go back and look at his first Alabama signing class, it was good, but it wasn't great. Right. What happened the next year was it got great quickly. And guess what? He got Julio Jones, and then all of a sudden he started to get a whole bunch of other people. That's just the way it goes, in my opinion. I think it's unfair to expect a coach in this climate to come in and in eight days or nine days be able to flip the field completely. I just don't think that's realistic. We'll see. What about Jacobus? Where is he going, did he say? I don't know. I I don't know. I mean, I know he was an LSU guy. I Like I said, I hope LSU... LSU can make it happen. Now, the one thing I do like is they immediately went out and they got Jordan Allen from Lafayette Christian, who I think is a very good player, and Kenny has seen him play on multiple times too. And I think Jordan Allen is a very good cover corner. And I know there was a huge debate in the LSU football office about whether they should offer him or not. And the new coach came in and they offered him. And I think that's something that even though he's not a highly rated player because he's only 5'11", He's not the big, tall, 6'2 uh, uh, corner, but I think the guy has a lot of skills. I really do. He's good, and I would also add to that uh, the fact that Danny Lewis out of Westgate is now being pursued by LSU, and uh, I was on two shows and a podcast in the last week. People asking me about the championship games, who you saw that was the most, the best under-recruited player, well, Braden Johnson certainly would be in that mix, but Danny Lewis and Westgate unquestionably is that guy. I did their game, Westgate's game with Carr in the semifinals, and then, of course, I did the championship game in the Dome against Warren Easton. This guy is an absolute beast. He's 6'5", 235. He blocks. He catches. He runs. He had a 77-yard touchdown pass in the championship game where nobody caught him. Uh, he is absolutely a tremendous tight end. And Cincinnati got him to commit early, and now LSU is on him. And this guy is really, really good. So, look, uh, like Ed said, uh, what's the oldest saying of all? It's not over till it's over. So uh, we talked about the early signing date and the, and the pitfalls of it. But the, the end result about recruiting classes will come in February. And if LSU, not just LSU, but anybody in that same position could end up 
in the top 20, that's a good year considering what they had to deal with. But, of course, LSU has traditionally been a top 10, even top 5 recruiting class program under Ogeron and, and even Miles. So they'll have a few miles to go, but I agree with that. I think in due time that will work itself out. And, and yeah, Joe, I don't know about Joe. this offensive lineman from Catholic High. He yeah. got completely schooled by Jesuit, by Bash and all the other. Jesuit was in the backfield all night long. They just couldn't tackle uh, Nicholas Cross. Their offensive line was a total beast. In that game. They but, ran for a lot yeah. of yards in that game, Joe. The only, the only thing I would well, say, yeah, the only thing I would yeah, say, Joe, did. is that if you go back and look, if you go back, bigger picture, if you go back and look at LSU's 2019 recruiting class that was so ballyhooed that was going to be one of the best two or three in the country. And all of those guys would have been juniors this year. All of those guys would have been juniors this year. If you go back and look at that class and what they've actually contributed, I think you would be disappointed. And I think there are some classes that you say, you know what, that was a really good class and some who are you expected to be dynamite or not. It just, and with the transfer portal, it's, you know, I mean, look, it's, it's free agency. And here's the one thing I don't like people complaining about. I like the transfer portal in this regard. And, I, and whether it's good or not for the game, you can, you can make your own determination on that. Coaches are in the transfer portal all the time for oh, yeah. money. Am, am, do you agree? For yeah. huge money. Okay, Brian Kelly left the job, and he's got another job that's going to pay him theoretically $100 million over 10 years. So if Brian Kelly can be in the transfer portal, or and I'm not singling him out, any coach can be in the transfer portal, then I don't understand why the player can't be in the transfer portal either. This is America. We all have choices. Yeah, that's true. You, just, you know, once a player denied the opportunity to play, you can't help but look elsewhere, you know. He tried you to, want to play. to play, and he tried to make the team, and he didn't. So he's got to go somewhere else. I don't have any problem with it. I really don't. I mean, the loyalty in it is gone, by all means. And no now doubt. you're looking at NIL, which is ridiculous. It's out of control. So, all right, I'll let you go. Okay, Joe, a pleasure. All right, Joe. Friend, Merry Christmas to you. We'll take a brief time out. Second hour begins in just a moment here on the Three Tailgaters Show on 106.1 FM. Nash Icon and NashFM1061.com. Since 1935, the Allstate Sugar Bowl has been a proud New Orleans New Year's Day tradition. And for 87 years, the Sugar Bowl has hosted top-ranked teams, All-Americans, and national champions. Now, on New Year's Day, the best of the Big 12 and SEC will square off in the 88th All-State Sugar Bowl. Get your tickets today. Visit AllStateSugarBowl.org for ticket information. The Sugar Bowl is presented by Allstate, the Louisiana Office of Tourism, and Taco Bell. Terms and conditions posted at TextPlan.us. Texting rules for recurring automated marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply. Reply stop to opt out. Terms and conditions apply. Visit ISSA online for details. Hey, how'd you like to get paid to work out? Yes, I said get paid to work out. Now you can with ISSA, the global leader in personal fitness certification. If you're interested in a money-making career in fitness as a personal trainer, now is your time because ISSA is guaranteeing you will get a job. That's right. There's a huge demand for certified personal trainers right now. So once you get ISSA certified, 
certified, they guarantee you will get a job. Just text FORM to 323232 now to get started for free. You do everything at your own pace and 100% online. Live your life on your terms. Get certified and train like you want, full-time, at a gym, at home, or as a side hustle. Whatever works for you. Don't wait another day to start your career in fitness. Get certified and start making money fast, guaranteed. Just text FORM to 323232 right now to get started with your ISSA certification for free. Text the word FORM to 323232. Ken Trahan here with Scott Craig of Francesca by Katie's Deli Pizzeria, 515 Harrison Avenue in Lakeview. We both love high school sports and the St. Louis Cardinals. That's a big amen. And we both love great food at a great location. That's a bigger amen. Francesca by Katie's hands and all. That includes daily specials, building your own sandwiches and pizzas, delicious burgers, scrumptious salads, and a kid's menu. Francesca by Katie's is also host of Ken Trahan's Original Prep Football Report. We love supporting our area schools. It's a shame not everybody can go to Brother Mark. Or Rommel. If you don't come, you're to blame. You'll be glad you came. Francesca by Katie's, 515 Harrison Avenue in Lakeview. Top service, locally owned, outstanding deals, conveniently located, professionals motivated to sell where the customer comes first. That describes the experience at Premier Automotive Group, where you'll find the best prices anywhere on Toyota, Honda, Nissan, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, Ram, and Kia. Premier Automotive offers a warranty for life on its vehicles and a money-back guarantee. Visit my friend Troy Duhon at one of his outstanding dealerships, Toyota of New Orleans, Premier Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram, Fiat, Premier Honda in New Orleans, Premier Nissan in Metairie, and Premier Kia in Kenner. There's so much hype promoted during the Christmas season nowadays that we forget to focus on the true meaning of giving. Not how expensive the gift is, but how much it will touch her heart. Fisher & Sons Jewelers have served our community for over 40 years. And we are dedicated to sharing the art of giving to you and your loved one. Our family wishes you a very Merry Christmas. Fisher & Sons Jewelers, where the unusual is commonplace in Metairie. Orleans kick off your holiday season at the RNL Carriers New Orleans Bowl. Saturday, December 18th at the Caesar Superdome. Catch some Bell Conference champions Louisiana's Raging Cajuns as they take on the thundering herd from March. It's a family-friendly tradition, New Orleans style, with powers from the Sun Belt and Conference USA battling out in the dome. The RNL Carriers New Orleans Bowl. Saturday, December 18th at the Caesar Superdome. Tickets on sale now at Ticketmaster.com. Don't miss All Access Sports Talk with Ken Trahan and Jude Young, Monday through Friday from 6 to 7 p.m. Following Inside New Orleans on WRKN, 1061 Nash Icon, Picayune, New Orleans. The second hour begins. It's the Three Tailgaters Show on 1061 Nash Icon, NashFM1061.com, and at CrescentCitySports.com. Be a part of the show now. Call 504-260-1061. Back to Ken Trahan and Ed Daniels. Thank you for joining us this morning. Second hour underway here of the Three Tailgaters Show. Again, it's 504-260-1061. If you'd like to weigh in, all kinds of COVID protocols all over the place. College games getting canceled left and right. Tulane, UNO, uh, Loyola, of course. And by the way, how about Loyola? Number one in the nation in the NAIA rankings in men's basketball. 13-0 and and Stacey Hollowell on the show. Last night, and he's recovering right now, and so are some of his players, but they don't play again now until after the first of the year. So kudos to Loyola. Fantastic start to this season and uh, brilliant at this point in time. But now you've got the pro game being impacted dramatically. Uh, Kevin Durant, the eighth net player to enter COVID protocol. Then you've got the NFL situation with the game being moved to Monday night, two games being moved to Tuesday, 
as a result of all these issues. We'll get into the Saints in a moment without their coach in COVID protocol. Two players coming back from COVID protocol and all of that stuff. So, Ed, this, uh, this thing has really reared its ugly head with regard to sports again. It's, it's really attacking all levels of sports now once more. Interesting times, Kenny. I, you know, I just, just kind of hoping it all goes away here at some point. Maybe this is the last to rock. And uh, that's what I'm hoping for. That's what I'm praying for, frankly. Right. Uh, the you know this particular variant is apparently not as serious, but it's it's highly contagious, obviously, and it's having an impact. And well, there isn't anything more you can do. Sean Payton had COVID over a year ago. He got vaccinated, fully vaccinated, completely. Uh, so he had the antibodies, any other vaccines, and he got it again. So, uh, I mean. All I can say is it doesn't seem to be anything that can prevent you from getting this. It's a matter of to what degree. So so he's out for the game on Sunday at Tampa Bay, Sunday night game. Of course, Mark Ingram is back. Cam Jordan is back. Uh, those are nice additions, but uh, no COVID issues, but they don't have their starting tackles again. You know, Teron Armstead played one week, and now he's back out again, and Ramchek remains out. They've been without Pete pretty much most of the season. So their offensive line, as we turn our attention to the Saints, went from being what we perceive to be a strength going into the season to really being a weakness the way the season has unfolded, Ed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to be a tough thing against uh, against the Bucks too, who, uh, for whatever reason, uh, seem to play a lot better at home than they do on the road. And, you know, they're 6-0 and at home this year and 4-3 and on the road, which is, uh, you know a pretty interesting number and well again when you look at the you know the offensive line uh, you, you you don't have either tackle both of whom are either pro bowl or all pro players depending on the given year mm-hmm. you don't have pete and then with all due respect you've got cesar ruiz who has not played all that well i, I think that's mm-hmm. very fair to say yep so i agree realistically you got Eric McCoy. So, I mean, this is really a, a totally different dynamic than what we expected. We thought the offensive line would be a real strength of this team. And it's just not turning out that way because of injuries and otherwise. The flip side of that is you get Ingram back. Camaro was huge last week. And Taysom Hill has rushed for what, almost 180 yards in two games since he started at quarterback. So you've got three guys that can really – choke the rock and do some damage in the running game. The question is, can they block well enough? Because I think they're going to have to, because they're going to have trouble protecting Taysom Hill in the passing game without both tackles. Well, I think he's going to have to run the ball um, a, a considerable amount, don't you, Kenny? Yes. I mean, I, I just think that that's got to be a big plan of their game going forward, especially against the team that stops the run. I, I think that, you know, the one thing you can do is if you have that quarterback – running it's 11 on 11 and to me uh that is a big part of what they need to be doing and uh i hope that they uh, and i'm sure they will i'm sure that'll be a big part of their plan i think it's got to be a big part of their plan especially you know Taysom hill playing with a with a, a finger that uh that obviously is is not even close to being 100 percent I don't think you can can plan on them winning games with with him, you know, doing what he's doing. I don't think you can do that. 
Last week worked out perfectly because they had balance. They ran the ball extremely well, and they threw it effectively. They possessed the football. They had only four penalties, and they had no turnovers. And that's the kind of football it's going to take for them to win, period, much less to have a chance to win at Tampa where they're 11 to 12-point underdogs against a team that they've matched up very well with. So where Taysom Mill's concerned, look, if he plays the way he played last week, they've got a chance. He completed over 71% of his passes, didn't make bad decisions or make mistakes, had the ball slip out of his hand once, but he did hustle to go recover it, and that had everything to do with his finger, of course. Mm -hmm. Uh, Otherwise, they played error-free football, and they ran the ball well, and they threw the ball effectively. And Mm -hmm. the screens were part of it. You know, the the short stuff was there. And, you know, Nick Vanette has stepped in and done a, a, a nice job. They've needed that at tight end. Now Griffin's out, too. Troutman's been out. And at the wide receiver position, no Deontay Harris, still suspended. Galloway and Smith have been okay. Uh, but, you know, again, they don't have a lot of talent in the passing game. For the passing game to work for the Saints, it has to be set up by the run game. And you're right, Tampa Bay is really physical and good up front on defense against the run. So that's going to be the real challenge here. Saints have mm-hmm. to run the football to have right. a chance to win this game, and they're going to be facing a team that's very tough against the run. So it's right. it's a battle of wills. On the other side of the coin, I think the Saints' defense matches up well with Tampa Bay, don't you? I mean, we have a history of seeing this because we all know what Lattimore has been against Evans. C.J. Gardner-Johnson is very good against slot receivers, and he's back and healthy, and that's huge, and they don't have Antonio Brown. So... Mm-hmm. The Saints' defense has matched up well. People say, well, how have they beaten Tampa six out of seven and how have they beaten Brady three out of four? I think it's all about the, the, the way their defense matches up with Tampa's offense, don't you? Well, I think their defense does match up. And, I, and uh, you know, I'm curious to see what kind of plan Tampa has because if you heard the chatter from the last game, the Saints kind of said they were, they were waiting on the crossing routes. They were ready for them. And I think the, the one with uh, – the one with Marcus Williams on that pick six was a was a or was it PJ Williams was a was a crossing PJ. route I believe I think it was PJ Williams was it was a crossing route so you know I'm I'm curious to see how Tampa Bay adjusts and what kind of game plan they come up with you know I think that uh, you know Leonard Fournette both uh, as a receiver hurt the Saints last year in the playoff game I think they they need to use him more in that capacity and um, well he's hurt me, he's I, hurt so. Yeah, yeah, and, hurt, so. yeah, he's hurt too. So, you know, but the, the situation with um, with Tampa is, um, you know, what do they do to to change what they've done against the Saints in those three regular season games? Because the Saints have, I think they've kind of had them figured out. I really do. So, um, you know, who knows? Um, I, 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 I think, though, when you look at what the Saints did last week, Taysom Hill threw the ball 25 times. Is that right? I think he was 19 for 24, I want to say. so. Yeah, 24, know. 25 times. To me, that's the operative number. If he gets over 30, that's not a good sign. That yeah, I think, that that's, behind, I think that's very good. Playing very catch good analysis. Yeah, yeah I, I really think that, you know, if he throws the ball 25 times and he's in that ballpark, mid to high 20s, then what that's telling you is that the Saints have a pretty good chance to win this game. Now, is that easier said than done? Yep. The line is what, 11 still? Yep. So, you know, it's no one said it was going to be easy. 
So I just think that, um, you know, the Saints have to run the quarterback. They have to eat clock. They have to play good defense, and they have to shorten the game. Fournette questionable with his ankle injury. So, But the Tampa secondary is, is where they are weakest. When you look at the, their production this year and when you look at the injuries, uh, Jamel Dean is out of the game, and then you've got Richard Sherman. He's doubtful. And then you got the safeties, Antoine Winfield and Jordan Whitehead, are both questionable with injuries. So they're chopped up in the back. Can the Saints yet the line, take Yet the line is 11, and in some spots it's 11 and a half. How do you right. explain that? Because the Saints don't throw the ball that effectively. That's why. So, yes. again, your strength is running. Their strength is stopping the run. Your weakness is throwing, and their weakness right now would be stopping the throw. So it kind of negates each other. So to me, it really does come down to the Saints' defense continuing to play the way it's played against Tampa Bay overall. I still maintain the Saints would have won that playoff game last year had Jared Cook not fumbled the ball. And I know that's a simple explanation, but I believe it. No, I agree. Look, I agree with you. That was a complete game and a complete season changer. I don't think there's any doubt about that, and I think it leads to a good point that I think that you're kind of getting to. The Saints have confidence against this team. Yes, exactly. They, they, they believe that they can beat them. And, you know, that's a big part of the battle. So if I were Tampa Bay, I'd be a little bit nervous about Sunday. Now, do I think the Bucs are going to win the game? Yes. But I do think that the Saints are going to play for sure inside the number. I think it's going to be a pretty close game. 504-260-1061. Kurt's in New Orleans. Hi, Kurt. Thanks for the call. Welcome to the show. Hey, guys. Good morning. How are y'all? Good, fine. Good, buddy. I wonder, you know, last time we played them, Antonio Brown was there. I mean, was out, I'm sorry, and Gronkowski was out. I think Gronkowski being back is a real, you know, kind of detriment to us. I think he's, you know, we know Godwin Evans, you know, and the rest. But I just think Gronkowski playing well again since his injury, it's going to, be, it's going to, it's going to take an effect on us a little bit. I also think, the thing with Chauncey Gardner and um, at the end of the game last time and Fournette, I understand Fournette's not a hundred percent, you know, ankle. I mean, Eckler had an ankle issue too a couple nights ago, and he played pretty well. I think I think Fournette knows. I think you know it's kind of you know generally speaking, he hasn't been a big factor in the last three games playing him, at, you know, in the regular season. But I re- I just really feel like I just really I just my personal opinion. I think I think Fournette's going to be in there, and I just think he's going to be juiced. Big time, you know, over what was all done at the end of that game, and no, nobody's fault. I'm just saying. But mm-hmm. uh, don't you think? Run, the other thing is uh, the finger, you know, the finger with um with uh, a quarterback. Can he put it down? The, I mean, he's not the most accurate guy, okay, but can can he put it down the field with that finger? And I think, like you say, that's where they can you know can damage him out in the secondary. But don't you think Gronk is going to be you know it's going to be hard to deal with him? You know what y'all think? Mm-hmm. Well, sure, he's he's become more productive. He's obviously one of the greatest that's ever played the game. He hasn't run well at all, but he understands holes and how to use his body to gain position. Malcolm Jenkins probably draws that assignment, as he has when they played them, when he has played Gronkowski. Most recently, Jenkins obviously understands him and has some size to combat him, so I think that's a matchup you'll definitely be watching. With regard to Gardner Johnson, he gets under the opponent's skin on a regular basis. Uh, if people get overcooked about that, it probably doesn't work for them. If they respond in motivated uh, but disciplined fashion, it probably does work for them. So that's just yeah. the type of player he is. He's mercurial. Right. He's antagonistic, but he's good. Yeah. And if he's oh, yeah. on your side, oh, yeah. you like him. If he's on the other side, you hate him. Ed? 
<laughs> well, I don't I don't yeah. think there's any doubt about that. And um, you know, I think the yeah. Saints defense is a lot better with him in it. And when oh yeah when he's not See, when think, he's not there, I think they certainly missed him. You know, the thing about Fournette is Fournette's having a great year. I mean, yeah, he's averaging catches. four point sixty two. Yeah, catches. but he's averaging four point six yards a carry too. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. the guys having a, the guys having a great year, and to me, if you look at one at two guys who have benefited the most from Tom Brady being there, it's Leonard Fournette and Chris Godwin, because he obviously has a connection with Godwin too. But yeah. Fournette, and and that's one thing that Brady has done his in, entire career. He did it in New England because it was a big part of the offense, and he's doing it at Tampa at a place where they never really did a whole bunch of it before. But I think that in the NFL, teams that throw to the backs effectively have a huge advantage because, number one, yes. it's, they don't turn the ball over, and, number two, they move the ball. So if you yeah, look over yeah. the years, you know, New England is doing it again this year, too, with Mac Jones. And if you don't force the ball down the field and you can still move the ball, I think it gives you a huge advantage. And that's something that Tom Brady has done for years. I want to with, say, regard, I want with to regard to the finger problem and Taysom Hill and throwing the ball downfield, it's not really what they do anyway. If you take away Deontay Harris, they really don't have anybody that's a threat down the field. Regardless, they got one to Juwan Johnson last week, good throw, and, and had a, you know, an impact play there. But they don't really have deep threat anyway. Uh, and I would suspect that Tampa will play cover two, in particular with some banged-up players, in the secondary, which means you're going to have to take what's underneath regardless. So, yeah, I, can he throw it down the field? I don't know. I don't know that they're going to try to do it very much, frankly. I just, I just want to leave you out with this. Devin White, get a body on him. Get a body on White. He's been too much of a difference maker versus us in these games. And secondly, I think Mark, Mark Ingram healthy for that real one-two punch. I feel we're going to need Mark a lot. And if he can give us a good game with Kamara, I think that's that's that that's where my hope is. Y'all have a good day. Thank you. All right, thank you. Yeah, I think a number to watch is thirty to thirty-five. You know, if you get the 30, 35 rushes, you got a real chance to win. I think that's kind of where it's at. When you got three guys that can run the football with with Kamara and Ingram and Hill, uh, then it, it certainly gives you the numbers. I wouldn't be surprised to see them go jumbo quite a bit in this game, Ed. Well, again, I you know, to me. The rushing attempts have to go up. The passing attempts have to go down. If you're throwing the football in the third and fourth quarter, that's a very bad sign. 504-260-1061 to join us. We'll take a time out here. Tim, you're up next. And any other callers, we'd love to hear from you as we continue on this Saturday morning with the Three Tailgaters Show on 106.1 FM NASH ICON. We're on the web at NASHFM1061.com. Since 1935, the All-State Sugar Bowl has been a proud New Orleans New Year's Day tradition. And for 87 years, the Sugar Bowl has hosted top-ranked teams, All-Americans, and national champions. Now, on New Year's Day, the best of the Big 12 and SEC will square off in the 88th All-State Sugar Bowl. Get your tickets today. Visit AllStateSugarBowl.org for ticket information. The Sugar Bowl is presented by Allstate, the Louisiana Office of Tourism, and Taco Bell. There's so much hype promoted during the Christmas season nowadays that we forget to focus on the true meaning of giving. Not how expensive the gift is, but how much it will touch her heart. 
Fisher & Sons Jewelers have served our community for over 40 years. And we are dedicated to sharing the art of giving to you and your loved one. Our family wishes you a very Merry Christmas. Fisher & Sons Jewelers, where the unusual is commonplace in Metairie. Wake up your senses at Louisiana's newest Harley-Davidson. Zydeco Harley-Davidson in Homa. 30,000 square feet of pure motorcycle mayhem. Zydeco Harley-Davidson in Homa has over 100 new and selective pre-owned Harley-Davidsons available right now. For every riding style and budget, Zydeco Harley-Davidson in Homa has the motorcycle for you. Come pass a good time in the bayou at Zydeco Harley-Davidson. With new arrivals of the latest in style, fashion, and riding gear in their motor clothes department. Check out over $250,000 of the latest parts and accessories. Repairs, upgrades, and customization are there for you at Zydeco Harley-Davidson's award-winning service department. Check out their dynoing service, which maximizes the horsepower and torque of your motorcycle. It's Zydeco Harley-Davidson in Homa. Follow on Facebook and ZydecoHD.com for their next event, party schedule, and more. And conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting rules for recurring automated marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply. Reply stop to opt out. Terms and conditions apply. Visit ISSA online for details. Hey, how'd you like to get paid to work out? Yes, I said get paid to work out. Now you can with ISSA, the global leader in personal fitness certification. If you're interested in a money-making career in fitness as a personal trainer, now is your time because ISSA is guaranteeing you will get a job. That's right. There's a huge demand for certified personal trainers right now. So once you get ISSA certified, they guarantee you will get a job. Just text FORM to 323232 now to get started for free. You do everything at your own pace and 100% online. Live your life on your terms. Get certified and train like you want, full-time, at a gym, at home, or as a side hustle, whatever works for you. Don't wait another day to start your career in fitness. Get certified and start making money fast, guaranteed. Just text FORM to 323232 right now to get started with your ISSA certification for free. Text the word FORM to 323232. 32. Your weekly forum for genuine substantive talk with a focus on facts and fact-based opinions. Time to share your passion on the Three Tailgaters Show here on 1061 Nash Icon, NashFM1061.com, and through CrescentCitySports.com. Call 504-260-1061. And with you, Rudy Dixon, our producer, right back to your calls to Baton Rouge where Tim Awaits Hi, Jim. Glad you called. Welcome to the show. Yeah. How you been doing? Been fine, Jim. Hey, 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 Daniels. What's up? Hey, Tim. What's up, buddy? Yeah. Yeah. I'm just, I think I called Monday about this. It seemed like like Tulane. You know, it's like um, like a football program and everything. I <clears throat> I know that um, they de- I was doing research. They de-emphasized athletics. The the President Harris back in the fifties. So they had they they used to have a pretty good football team, and it was like, I, you know, they were like pretty good. They were nationally ranked and everything, and they used to beat LSU. You know, and since mm-hmm. since then they just they just been like, man, I wish what sure if they would have stayed, if they would have de-emphasized, if they they could have, if the Saints would ever came here, because they I think they had a big fan base back then too. You know, mm-hmm. hello. Well, when I was a ki- when I was a kid, Tim. Um... New Orleans, that's a long time ago, of course. A lot longer even for Kenny. But uh, when I was a kid, um, you know, the, um, the situation was this. Um, I would say that in the 60s, uh, LSU and Tulane were almost 50-50 in New Orleans. 
and now I would say it's 90-10 LSU. Is that accurate, Kenny? Yeah, I would think that would be about right, sure. And, you know, one of the things that the president said, if you go back, if you go back and look at the article written by uh, Bob Ressler for the Times-Picayune, I think it was on January 1st, 1966, the day after Tulane announced that they were moving to the South, they were getting, getting out of the Southeastern Conference. He said that they wanted to be a more national university. And I think uh, they've done that. Uh, but I think one of the uh, problems with that is, is that they, they've, in many respects, lost the connection with the ticket-buying public in New Orleans, which to me is more important than having fans tailgate at games. Not, not having fans, having students at games. I think it's more important to have people who pay money to go to the games, at the games. And to me, that is the ticket-buying public from the city of New Orleans that maybe didn't attend Tulane University but has an affinity for the school because it's the only Division I football program in the entire city. Does that make sense? Oh, yes. Yeah, um... Yeah, it's just um, yeah, it's just I I don't see how they cause I don't see I don't see how they gonna are they academic standards higher for the play sports than like Rice or SMU or TCU about the same. Uh, you know, I mean, I think it's yeah, they're they're high, sure. Yeah, cause see, like SMU can put 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 together some good teams, you know, but Tulane can't, you know. Uh-huh. They've had some good teams at SMU. Well, the one thing, the one thing that S, the one thing that SMU is doing right now too, and I think they're doing really well, is that they're getting, they're getting a lot. Dallas is a very fertile recruiting ground, and what they're doing is they're getting transfers who lead Dallas, who go to other schools who want to come back. I think that's been a big part of their success so far. Ken. Well, I think they've had success on and off over a period of time. Obviously, they had the uh, the shutdown because of the, the death penalty things that happened in the 80s, but they've had success that has happened on and off. They got an on-campus facility. Tulane did that, too. Uh, but they do have a fertile recruiting area, and there seems to be more of an emphasis on, on football and trying to win. So I think that's all part of it. Uh, Tulane is getting a few guys coming back. They got a player from Dillisal that came back, Lance Robinson. They got a player from Covington and Devin Brumfield, but he didn't last. And now they're getting Shady Clayton coming back from Washington. So that's happening. Uh, so I don't think that's the issue. I think the issue, by and large, is the, you know, the, the commitment, by and large, period to the program, which we've had that discussion a thousand times. The financing that's involved in it, the commitment to the program to win. And as Ed mentioned, and I talked about on the show during the course of the week, uh, the fact that you know, the attendance is what it is. It's because they've killed off a generation or two of potential interest by not winning. I don't care who you are. I don't care where you're located. If you don't win and if you lose over a protracted period of time, you're going to kill interest. And people are going to find other things to spend their money on or other things to do. And you have to recapture that. And the only way to recapture that is to win and win consistently. Uh, they went to three straight bowl games. And that was a real nice uptick and, and an indication of how 
how futile they've been in the sport is it's the first time that's happened, right? So, uh, and, and they've been playing for a long time. And then what happened this past season? Uh, it was an utter, not disaster, but a, a failure would be the right word. Uh, things just didn't go right at all. From a hurricane to you know, a quarterback starting well but ending up playing average to an offensive line that was disappointing to a receiving core that still doesn't get the job done to a secondary that isn't good enough to a defense for the first six games of the year, which was historically bad and then got better to their credit. Kicking game, missed a chip shot kick at home. Everything that could go wrong did go wrong. But, again, it's it's almost what some people have come to expect, and that's a shame. Willie Fritz isn't a bad coach. He didn't suddenly become a bad coach, but, you know, they've got to, they've got to commit big time financially, big time marketing-wise and otherwise to, to have a chance to be successful in the sport. It's not easy for a private school. It's not easy for any of those schools to be able to do it consistently. Some have had levels of success and others, you know, Northwestern occasionally does it, right? You know, SMU, you mentioned, occasionally does it. Stanford has occasionally done it in the past. TCU has occasionally done it. You know, uh, Notre Dame is obviously a major exception uh, with that, with the private school situation being very successful. But there aren't many that have been consistently because they are all in the same box. They are schools that recruit nationally for students and schools that focus clearly on academics, which is a great thing. But there's no reason you can't be good academically and good athletically. That's always been my position, Ed. Oh, I agree. I agree. But, you know, this this debate has been going on since, uh, as Tim mentioned, the 50s and 60s. And it's still going on now, and it'll be going on 50 years from now. So, I mean, I, you know, it, it, that's what it is. And there'll always be that tug of war, and it, there'll always be those issues. They haven't gone away. Yeah, uh, I don't think anybody in the, in the state is going to ever beat LSU. You know, I told you last time, I was the only state school, you know, school in the state to beat them in 82. Um, it's, um, I don't think Louisiana, they could have beat maybe LSU this year, but they didn't play them, you know. Yeah, well, no, nobody else in the state, you know, has beaten LSU outside of Tulane when they played them, and that hasn't happened in a long time. And then, of course, otherwise, as you mentioned, this year had, the Raging Cajuns played LSU, they would have had a real shot to win that game. Uh, didn't have the opportunity uh, to do so. But that, again, has been few and far between. LSU rules the state, and they right. always have. And they will continue to do that, too. So uh, that's, that's the nature of what we have here in the state of Louisiana. Tim, Tim, listen, appreciate the call. Always a pleasure. Thank you so much uh, for calling in and listening to the Three Tailgaters Show. It's 504 1061 That's 260 260- 1061, if you'd like to join in the conversation. We'll take a brief time out. When we return, more on the Saints. We'll also talk about the Pelicans and a thrilling home victory last night. A certifiable win streak of sorts, right? We'll get into that, too. Glad you're with us on this Saturday morning. Ed Daniels, Ken Trahan, Rudy Dixon, our producer. This is the Three Tailgaters Show, and we're back in just a moment. They're on 1061 FM, Nash Icon, and on the web, we're at NashFM1061.com. Panera believes in saying yes. Yes to clean, fresh ingredients. Yes to the new chicken sausage and pepperoni flatbread topped with rich mozzarella. Yes to delicious mac and cheese. Yes to putting it on a sandwich, creating the grilled mac and cheese sandwich. And yes to impromptu road trips to Sandwich, Illinois. 
because that's living life to the flavor fullest. Get $1 delivery when you order on our app. Panera, live your yes. Pricing and product availability may vary. Visit PaneraBread.com. You may be into punk rock, soft rock, or classic rock, R&B, hip-hop, or house, country, techno, or techno country. But no matter what kind of music you listen to, here's something else you should hear. Please consider getting vaccinated. Talk to your pharmacist today about Comirnaty, COVID-19 vaccine mRNA. This message brought to you by BioNTech and Pfizer. Life Resources Ministries exists for showing men the way, building men to spiritual maturity, and preparing God's people for service. Life Resources Ministries has Bible studies in person and via Skype throughout the metro area, along with outreaches weekly on Wednesdays at Piccadilly Cafeteria on Clearview Parkway in Metairie. There are business forums and fellowship meetings as well. Life Resources also puts on major outreach prep breakfasts with national speakers up to four to five times per year. Visit us online at liferesources.net. Life Resources Ministries, leaders investing for eternity. There's so much hype promoted during the Christmas season nowadays that we forget to focus on the true meaning of giving. Not how expensive the gift is, but how much it will touch her heart. Fisher & Sons Jewelers have served our community for over 40 years. And we are dedicated to sharing the art of giving to you and your loved one. Our family wishes you a very Merry Christmas. Fisher & Sons Jewelers, where the unusual is commonplace in Metairie. Let's be real. Mopping is a hassle. You have to fill the bucket. Pushing a wet, heavy mop around. Then cleaning the mop when you're done so it doesn't grow bacteria. A hassle on top of a hassle. Try Swiffer WetJet. With Swiffer WetJet, you start with a fresh pad and cleaning solution every time. And when you're done, you just toss the pad. Swiffer WetJet, the faster, easier, cleaner way to clean your floors. You heard you could save big when you bundle home and auto with Progressive, so you went online to check it out. But then you saw a link for a survey about which type of bread you are. And now you're on question 17, barely scratching the surface of your bread identity. You always thought of yourself as a brioche, but are you actually more of a pumpernickel? Ah, yes. They said it was easy to save money bundling with Progressive, but they forgot about the rest of the Internet. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. Terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting rules for recurring automated marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply. Reply stop to opt out. Terms and conditions apply. Visit ISSA online for details. Hey, how'd you like to get paid to work out? Yes, I said get paid to work out. Now you can with ISSA, the global leader in personal fitness certification. If you're interested in a money-making career in fitness as a personal trainer, now is your time because ISSA is guaranteeing you will get a job. That's right. There's a huge demand for certified personal trainers right now. So once you get ISSA certified, they guarantee you will get a job. Just text FORM to 323232 now to get started for free. You do everything at your own pace and 100% online. Live your life on your terms. Get certified and train like you want, full-time, at a gym, at home, or as a side hustle, whatever works for you. Don't wait another day to start your career in fitness. Get certified and start making money fast, guaranteed. Just text FORM to 323232 right now to get started with your 
ISSA certification for free. Text the word FORM to 323232. Cumulus New Orleans has an immediate opening for a digital account executive. If you have at least one year experience in paid search, Google display, paid social media, and digital video advertising, and want your paycheck to directly reflect your hard work with no income cap, send your resume to NOLA Sales at Cumulus.com. That's NOLA Sales at C-U-M-U-L-U-S.com. Cumulus New Orleans is an equal opportunity employer. Want to call an audible? Throw a flag? Call a technical? It's all good. Go for it now on a three tailgater show on 1061 Nash Icon, NashFM1061.com, and through CrescentCitySports.com. Call now, 504-260-1061. The Saints, look, do the Saints have a chance in this game? I think they do. I'm sort of on the same page with that. If you ask me to pick a winner, I'd pick Tampa Bay uh, because of all the advantages that exist and the fact that they're at home and the highly motivated team that they will be after losing earlier this year in New Orleans. But I do think the Saints match up well. I don't think the history indicates anything but that, in particular with Brady in the fold, even though they've won six of seven, extending past when Brady arrived there. So I think this is going to be a very competitive game. I think uh, I'd pick Tampa Bay to win in the vicinity of four to seven points. That would be my call on this game. I've been wrong before. I'll be wrong again, but that's my my call. That's how I see it. Yeah, you know, to me, uh, again, the ability to play great defense, not fall behind, manage the game, and 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 keep it keep it within a within a uh, within a winnable. Uh, you know, don't don't let them get out in front of you early where all of a sudden you have to get away from the thing that you do the best and the thing that, frankly, is your meal ticket to winning the game. You've got to continue to run the ball, play great defense. You know, I think your 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 punter's critical. And when you have a chance to score in the red zone, you, you've got to make that happen. Remember, you're up against a quarterback who's having a great year. Uh, and if you can affect him a little bit, and that's the one thing that I think that happened in the Tampa Bay game last year in Tampa is that they made Tom Brady very uncomfortable. Their pass rush was outstanding. And to me, uh, you know, the, the things that always affect big games like that, running the football, heat on the quarterback, are extremely important on Sunday when your margin of error is not very high. 504-260-1061 to join us. Randy is in Chalmette. Hey, Randy, thanks for the call, and welcome to the show. Hey, guys. Y'all probably answered this, but haven't been able to listen in a while. Um, cars playing in the Catholic League, correct? Yes, they will be. Yes. Are they also playing in the select playoffs? No. Not at this point. No, they are not. They're a non-select school, so by definition, right. they but, will not be. But if five A, but if five A combines, and they vote for that at the convention in January, and you can vote by class with a simple majority, if that happens, then 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 all of the schools with five A enrollment or those who choose to play in class five A districts will play in the same playoff. Let's face it, Carr is a select school. I mean, they could pick kids anywhere they want from anywhere in New Orleans. Same as Warren Easton. Those are select schools. Uh-huh. 
See, let's, let's, so be, is let's Manny. be honest. So is Manny. Manny is the only football-playing school in their entire parish. How are they not select? Uh, what you know parish what? are they they're, in? They're, they're, they're in whatever. I don't know what, what parish it is. But whatever parish they're in, they're the only school that plays football in that parish. And you know what? When you, too, ask, when, when you ask, school. right? When you ask the people, when you ask the LHSAA, some people at the LHSAA, you know what? They agree with you. Well, it's all about how it's defined. You know, Manny's in Sabine Parish, and, and when you look at, you know, the other schools that we're talking about, you mentioned Carmore Easton. Uh, again, it's all about, it's defined by percentages of student population from outside of your district area. So that's what it's defined by. So Manny would never be a select school because they're in Sabine Parish and they're going to draw from Sabine Parish. Uh, they might be the only one there by and large, but they're going to draw from there, therefore not select. With regard to Carmore and Easton and any others that you might be uh, discussing, it's all about the percentage of, of people that are from outside of their drawing area. So that's how they define it. I'm not saying that it's it's 100% accurate or 100% right or wrong, but that's how it is defined. Uh, do those schools get players from outside of their, their uh, you know, zone, attendance zones? Of course they do, but uh, there are others that do too. It's just a matter of percentages. And look, I, I just hope that uh, there's, there's some rectification to all of this. Uh, as I mentioned, schools can play up the 5A, the ones that do. Uh, kudos to them for playing at the highest level and taking themselves out of the lower levels where they would dominate. Uh, but again, this proposal that's on the docket for late January involves which, 5A only, where 5A which, schools will have the opportunity to vote as to whether they want to reunite and play together only in that classification. And it only takes 50% plus one, unlike what it would take to end the split, which is two-thirds majority, which I don't think will ever happen. So... That's kind of where you're at. And you mentioned Chalmette High. Well, Chalmette, of course, is, is a lone wolf as well in St. Bernard Parish. It wasn't always the case, of course, with Hannah, Archbishop Hannon previously, St. Bernard, and so forth. But now it is, but by definition, non-select because uh, they are drawing from their parish, the only school in the, in the parish there. So that, that's the best explanation I can possibly provide. What's, what's the chances of any of that passing? Any, Interesting. Any if you talk to different people, which I have, uh, some are skeptical, but some are, are very enthusiastic. Uh, look, I think what you have to do, and this is what I've been trying to do, is study the last votes that took place, how schools voted, Randy, and I think you get a better idea of where it's at. If you look at the most recent vote, what I'm told, based on what I've looked at and what others have told me, it's probably in the 43 to 47 percentile. Uh, that voted, you know, to uh, you know to end the split or to be together amongst the five A schools. There was another proposal that came about in the last session uh, when they met that involved uh, a, a reunification in baseball, and that one would have gotten more like fifty percent. So the answer to the question is, it's doable. It's pretty close. Uh, I believe it when I see it because you still have to change some minds. Some of those people that voted no would have to vote yes. Not many, but some. Now, some of the principles have changed at some of those schools, and those are the people that do the voting. So is there a chance? I think there's a chance. Would I bet the House on it? No. Thanks. Why don't athletic directors vote since it's kind of a sporting issue? 
wow, why don't you, I'll let Ed Daniels answer that because that's a a really, uh, that's a great question, right? I mean, they are Uh athletic directors. Uh Well, I think, I think part, part of the problem, part of the problem uh, is, is that in the old days, you know, I think that really good high school coaches are for the most part, really good leaders. And a lot of times you would see a high school coach become an athletic director and then become a principal. I don't think you see that anymore or you don't see it as much. I'll give you an example. Franklinton High School was able to attract a guy like Guy LeCompte to be their new football coach, who's a good coach. Part of the reason why is, is that Shane Smith, who coached Franklinton to the state championship in 2010, is going to be is the principal there now. Well, guess what? He understands what it takes to win in football. He's able to attract a really good football coach to be their football coach. I think a lot of times nowadays, administrators don't have a lot to do with athletics, and they're the people who are voting. And maybe they don't understand as much as a former high school coach does. So I think that's part of the issue. All right. Thanks, guys. All right, man. All right, Randy. Thank you. Appreciate it. 260-1061. That's 504-260-1061. Just a final thought on it, and obviously you, you're you so skeptical about it. I am, too. Uh, I do think there's a chance, but uh, just, you know, the, the bottom line on this is you're still going to have to change a few votes, right? Well, you know, to me, I think you got to change a few, few votes, Kenny, but it's also who shows up. If you don't show up and vote, your vote doesn't count. It's just like an election. You know, people talk about turnout, right? How many times do you hear that? we got the midterms coming up next year uh, nationally. What are you going to hear about? Turnout. Well, it's the same thing in January. Whoever turns out, I think, has a, has a chance of swaying this thing one way or the other. If there's a preponderance of select schools there, then I think it's got a chance to pass. If a lot of the people who are anti um, for this proposal and they show up, then they've got a chance to win it. So to me, um, turnout is a big part of it. And what's amazed me is in some of the big votes over the years, when it comes to the Louisiana High School Athletic Associations Association, you have a lot of principals that don't show up. They don't vote. Which makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. Yep. All right. If I agree. you'd like to join in the conversation, it's 504-260-1061. 260-1061. One final break here. The Pelicans, a big win last night. A variable win streak. We'll talk about that when we return. He's Ed. I'm Ken. It's the Three Tailgater Show. We're back in a moment on 106.1 FM Nash Icon and at NashFM1061.com. I got to tell you, the Ford F-150 and I, well, we're kind of like family. Ford's the number one selling truck in America for 42 years, and Lamarck's the number one Ford dealer. So come get your number one truck from your number one dealer, Lamarck Ford, where everybody gets remarkable deals and service. And wait till you see what we've done and still doing to the big store in Kenner. We're using local money, not Wall Street money. Visit Lamarck.com for more details. Drive safely, my friends. Number one claim based on 2018 new Ford vehicle retail sales report Memphis Region Zone E. Hey, New Orleans, kick off your holiday season at the RL Carriers New Orleans Bowl. Saturday, December 18th at the Caesar Superdome. 
catch some Bell Conference champions, Louisiana's Raging Cajuns, as they take on the Thundering Herd from Marshall. It's a family-friendly tradition, New Orleans style, with powers from the Sun Belt and Conference USA battling out in the dome. The RNL carriers New Orleans Bowl, Saturday, December 18th at the Caesar Superdome. Tickets on sale now at Ticketmaster.com. Top service, locally owned, outstanding deals, conveniently located, professionals motivated to sell where the customer comes first. That describes the experience at Premier Automotive Group, where you'll find the best prices anywhere on Toyota, Honda, Nissan, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, Ram, and Kia. Premier Automotive offers a warranty for life on its vehicles and a money-back guarantee. Visit my friend Troy Duhon at one of his outstanding dealerships, Toyota of New Orleans, Premier Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram, Fiat, Premier Honda in New Orleans, Premier Nissan in Metairie, and Premier Kia in Kenner. Hey, Ray Magliozzi here. I'd like to carry more parts at my shop, but I just don't have the room. Every time I go in the back to get wiper blades, I trip over a dusty crate of Honda air filters, then bang my head on some GTO radiator hoses. eBay Motors never has that problem. They stock all the right parts at the right prices. 122 million of them, with everything from new headlights to vintage gear shifters. I can't imagine being able to stock 122 million parts. I mean, where would I get all those shelves? eBay Motors, let's ride. All right, I admit, before I started using Dawn Platinum, I'd do anything to avoid washing dishes. I even ate cereal in a paper cup. But now with Dawn Platinum, I've turned a corner. I'm an adult using real, actual dishes. Why? Because cleanup is so darn easy. Platinum is so powerful, it breaks down and removes up to 99% of tough grease and food residue faster. In just a couple of wipes, tough messes are gone. I'm done before I know it. Boom! Dawn Platinum makes cleanup so darn easy. Not a lender. Offer not valid in all states or prohibited by law. Loan availability and amounts are subject to lender approval and not all consumers qualify. Terms and conditions apply. See website and lender for details. Wait, wait, wait. Tell me where'd you get that money? Oh, this? Oh, man. All this money came from 33money.com. Right online. Are you saying you went to 33money.com and got all that money you needed fast? Man, you know it. I went to 33money.com yesterday and bam, five grand was in my account today. No, no, no. Hold on. 33money.com helped you get 5K like that. Yeah, man. That's right. 33money.com's lenders provide personal loans for up to 5000 for people like you and me, even if you don't have good credit. Man, I'm always short on cash. Can 33money.com give me the money I need fast? If you need extra money fast, go to 33money.com. Just have a checking account and a regular source of income. Go to 33money.com and you can get the loan you need now. Regardless of your credit, go to 33money.com to get the money you need fast. Type www.33money.com directly into the address bar. That's 33money.com. Again, 33money.com. 33money.com. Last chance today, call the Three Tailgater Show at 260-1061. Back to Ken Trahan and Ed Daniels. That's a variable win streak for the New Orleans Pelicans as they won in overtime over Milwaukee, 116-112 at Smoothie King Center last night. Devontae Graham, of course, hit the 61-foot shot at the buzzer to win in Oklahoma City. And then he backed that up with a game where he had a, a season high of 26 points, along with four rebounds, four assists, three steals. He drilled eight three-pointers last night. He knocked down three key free throws in overtime as they beat the Bucks 116-112. to 112. Now, I know Milwaukee only had nine eligible players, and they didn't have Giannis, and obviously didn't have Chris Middleton, so this is nowhere near the championship team uh, that Milwaukee is. But still, you beat them, and you won, and did some good things to win the game. Jonas Valanciunas, 24 points, seven rebounds, so he didn't have a double-double, which is a rarity, but this guy's been so good for this team. 
But to me, what's really interesting yet about the Pelicans is for all their failures, the guy that is the absolute glue to their team is a rookie second round draft pick, Herbert Jones. He's their best defender. He's a good passer. Mm-hmm. He can use either hand around the painted area to try to score. He doesn't need to score. He doesn't look to score, but he's better offensively than I think anybody thought he would be. He had 17 points last night, six of nine from the field, nine rebounds, four assists, and again, defended extremely well. He's the best defender on this team. So if you're looking for positives, Jonas Valanciunas obviously has been a big addition. And Herbert Jones is one of the best draft picks in the entire draft of this past year. I think that's obvious. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, Southeastern Conference Player of the Year, right? Yep. Southeastern Conference Defensive Player of the Year, too? Yep. You know, again, but again, it gets back to just like recruiting. You look at things other than, I think, sometimes things that are obvious. And I had a coach tell me this week that talking about a specific school, this school relies on the opinions of high school coaches They take those into consideration when they're recruiting a player. A lot of schools do not do that. Well, I think it's important to understand a guy's production and what he's been able to do. And I don't think, based on what Herb Jones did in the SEC, that you could ignore that. But a lot of teams chose to. He's really good. I mean, he's a good player in all phases, and like I said, he doesn't need the ball to be uh, effective. And, you know, and you, you really kind of measure that against Trey Murphy, who he's not a bust. I wouldn't even call him a, a real disappointment to this stage, but he's been very slow uh, to be able to come on and develop. We haven't seen it. He got four minutes last night, contributed nothing, and, and uh, they thought he'd be the guy and would be a 3-and-D guy, but it hasn't happened for them. Like I said, it's too young in the game to – to really pass judgment on him, but it's ironic that the the second round pick has clearly surpassed the first round pick in terms of productivity and dependability. Yeah, I mean, look, there's there's guys like that in every draft, and um, you know, kudos to the Pelicans for being able to find a guy like that. Did a good job, worked out extremely well. Good win for them last night. Philadelphia's next. That game's been moved up an hour to 6 p.m. Pelican sent out a release this morning. Uh, that's tomorrow evening at Philly, so they'll play the 76 or Remember, they opened their season way back when with Philadelphia at Smoothie King Center when the hope was eternal and didn't work out that well. They lost 117-97 to 97 on that night, and 76ers got balanced scoring and just whipped the Pelicans on that night in New Orleans. Uh, they don't have Ben Simmons. The Pelicans were said to have interest in Ben Simmons recently. Offer wasn't good enough. But frankly, Ed, I'm, I'm glad it didn't happen because anybody that's perpetrated with Simmons is perpetrated in Philadelphia. Would you really want him as part of your team? Mm-hmm. Well, I got, a, I got a little, I got a little um, education six years ago about uh, Ben Simmons and his entourage, as you know for our basketball tournament. Yep. No, he was, he was great for the bottom line. And frankly, the young man wasn't that bad. It was the people around him who thought they were better than anybody else in the world. His, his, uh, 
his folks around him that I think, you know, sometimes made the weekend difficult. The young man himself wasn't bad at all, to be honest with you. He was very nice and, and very, um, very approachable, and um, he was great. But some of the other people around him, uh, I think, left a lot to be desired. And frankly, I hope they don't come back at any point. Yeah, I just don't think that that's the kind of guy you want as part of it, especially a, a young team that you're trying to mold and, and create. Willie Green's a young coach and just starting over again, and he's trying to create people in, in, in a positive atmosphere and a positive image here. So I just don't think you need that headache at all, not to mention the fact the guy can't shoot and, and hasn't worked on his game. And Simmons is a great defender, great penetrator and creator, and there's a lot of credit for that. But the fact that he's been in the league as long as he has and he has not worked on his shot uh, at all. Uh, just to me, uh, it tells me that he's he's not committed to being, you know, an elite player. He's a good player, but he's not an elite player. And you've seen countless examples of guys that did work hard and made themselves elite. Magic Johnson stands out more than any other. Remember when he first came in the league, he couldn't mm-hmm. shoot, but given three or four years, he became a really good shooter. Yeah. So big difference. No doubt. And I said no that doubt. about Anthony Davis to his credit too, regardless of how we feel about him. He worked really hard on his shot, and by his third year in the league,